Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that may this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, all so highly exalted. both members and visitors to our 1045 service here at Preston Christ Church of Christ. I'm Charlie Johnston, one of the elders, and we're happy to have you join us, both here physically and virtually through our streaming. If you are a first-time visitor, please fill out the attendance card in the back of the pews and take it to the information desk in the foyer. We want to welcome you with a special gift and get to know you better as we see you after service. Please take the time now, if you haven't done so already, to text CHECK-IN to church teams at the number on the screen, 469-476-5331. When you check in, you will immediately receive our digital bulletin, and we will know you are on campus in case of any emergency situation. We take your safety uh, very seriously. Also, just text the word ME to that number to request prayers, search our directory, or be automatically checked into our website. Any prayer or contact request can also be made by filling out one of the cards in the back of the pews and dropping it in the contribution box in the foyer. During our 40 days of prayer, we all need to ask to see God's will, his pattern, and his vision for our future as we reach up in and out and find the most effective ways to share the good news 
with those around us. We ask that we all continue to be in prayer for these 40 days. We also want to remind everyone to be in prayer for everyone in Ukraine. That there might be peace in that country and that our brothers and sisters there will be safe and continue to be great examples and servants to all those around them. Contributions for Ukraine relief efforts can still be made online or by placing your check in the Ukraine collection box in the foyer. Just a reminder to also go by our quilt ministry in the foyer to say a prayer and tie a knot for Christy Reeb, the friend of Deborah Atchison, in the unexpected death of her son, and Jerry and Mary Bradshaw for his health concerns. For our call to worship this morning, please read with me from John 12, verses 12 through 13. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all our blessings, our homes, our health, our jobs, our opportunities, our friends and families, including the baptism of Cale Davis by his dad, Brian. Father, we have some members of our family that we want to bring before you this morning. And, and we especially ask that you would be with Carl Thomas. And we're so thankful for his successful cancer surgery with no further treatments required. For Janet French, the sister of Leslie Houston and her recovery from surgery. For Yvonne Younger, having back surgery tomorrow. For Nancy Wooldridge, healing from a broken fibula near her ankle. For Janet Scholl and Jeff for good results in her liver treatment. And also, Father, for Doug and Barbara Myers in the loss of their son-in-law, Don Johnson. Father, please, please surround these families with your comfort and love and help us to be your hands and feet as we support them during this difficult time. We also ask that you bring peace to Ukraine and give protection, comfort, and healing to all those people impacted by that conflict. God, we thank you for the talents you have given each of us to use in your service. I pray that everyone here at Preston Crest will find that special area of service where we can help your kingdom grow and be more effective, bringing those around us both far and near into your family. We also ask that you be with Gary this morning as he helps us see the tremendous blessings we enjoy through Christ's love and sacrifice for us. In Jesus Christ's blessed name we pray. Amen. Yeah.
Thanks, Charlie. Well, we're fresh out of palm branches this morning, but let's stand anyway and let's, uh, let's offer the Lord our voices. There is strength in the name of the Lord. There is
going to sing one more song before we enter into our time of communion. And then Jamie Liebel will come and lead us this morning. We myself in a in a season of life of great awareness lots of life changes in our family and I um, and in a season of thankfulness trying to be aware as our last kid graduates high school and all of the last that come along with that and a middle daughter who finishes college and heads into a marriage in a few weeks and trying to be aware and thankful of that. And then I got to spend a day with my daughter down in College Station, watching her live out her gifts and talents, leading college students in the AFC. And so our family is in a season of great thankfulness right now. But I'm also keenly aware, as I look out over this congregation, and this strikes me nearly every time I'm in front of you, that not all of us are in a season of great thankfulness. And some of you are struggling to come to this table this morning. You're bringing doubt and frustration. You're bringing anger. And I want you to know that this is exactly the place for you to be. That his table 
that this invitation, that this communion is big enough for you to bring all of that. And I hope you find comfort in the passage that I'm about to share. And those of you that are in a season of celebration, I hope you are aware of your friends and family that might not be. And that when we commune together this morning, we hug and we share, we give thanks, and we reach out and touch those that we know need the gift of Christ. Find comfort in this passage in Philippians 2 when Paul describes Jesus Christ and what he means to us. Of Jesus, he says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus knows the path that we walk, and on that cross he hung for us. Let's pray. Father, we bring all of who we are, and some of us struggle to be here now. May you lift the guilt and the shame, the anger and frustration, and may that lay at the feet of your cross. May the grace and the blood that you shed for us give us hope as we fight through another day, as we celebrate another moment. Thank you for the beauty of this table and this remembrance and this family that we get to be a part of. Hear our hearts right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
pray. <clears throat> Father, the blood that allows you to see me pure as snow, <clears throat> I give you thanks. For a moment to gather, to be quiet, and to reflect, I give you thanks. And for the beauty of this family and this place, and for the story that you left for us to witness to, I give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be in this assembly this morning and you have an offering to give and you can drop that in the box in the foyer. You can also check the box that is online if you want to give. As, as Charlie's, Charlie mentioned, uh, we're still giving to Ukraine and that option is still available online as well as the box in the foyer. However you choose to give this morning, thank you for, for supporting great ministries, great works in this place. God is doing wonderful things here at Preston Crest. One of the great things that, uh, that's going on and has happened for, has been going on for, for many years is our adult Bible classes. You're going to hear a little bit more about that in just a moment, but uh, specifically our senior adult ministries. And so thankful for Robert and Tammy Hobbs and their work with that. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for how you bless us. We don't deserve it. As Jamie mentioned, there are many here hurting. There are many here happy. But we confess that none of us have it all together. We confess that we are not perfect. We confess that we make mistakes. We sin. And yet you keep loving us and you keep drawing us near. So thank you, Father. Bless us as we give now. Thank you for the opportunities to work and serve here in this place. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
Robert and Tammy Hobbs. And we'd like to mention a few things regarding the senior adult ministry. Preston Crest is fortunate to have several great adult Bible classes, including Friendship, Pace Setters, Brothers Keepers, Hearts in Action, and Living Faith, all of which have senior members who share their unique backgrounds, talents, and knowledge of the scriptures. The group that we're most familiar with is the Living Faith Bible class. Our members are faithful students of God's Word, which stimulates good class discussions. Having our senior members provide their years of wisdom and insight is truly a blessing. Yes, the Living Faith are serious by nature, but don't let that fool you. We do like to have fun too. Monthly lunches and holidays give us a chance to enjoy fellowship together. We're just a small part of a big effort that comes from many individuals, such as a great group of deacons and their families that coordinate our PC game nights and cookies and caroling with our shut-ins. But no doubt about it, the glue that holds our senior adult ministry together is Barbara Cooper. I believe it's a sin to take for granted all the good things that you know, like the sound of children laughing and the wisdom of the old. There's a little bit of heaven when you get right down to earth. There's a million hidden treasures when you discover someone's worth. So come join us in discovering the treasures found in our senior adult members. Yeah, church, so at first service, Barbara Cooper sits right here. And I looked at her and I said, Sister, you are glue. And everybody erupted in applause. And she's going to kill me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, church, there is, there is no sweeter heart and no harder worker than Barbara Cooper. So I tell you, drop her a note this week. Give her a call. Just tell her how much you love her. Tell, my, tell her how much you appreciate her. And I'm going to shut up and be, quit being stupid up here. Hey, one more thing. We do have, uh, Charlie reminded you about the quilts going on out here. Drop by there and, and tie a knot in those quilts and say a prayer. Take these names, Chris Uribe and Jerry Bradshaw and Mary Bradshaw. Take those names with you this week and uh, take those before the Lord. Yeah, I'm going to remind you about date night. April 22nd, date night. I don't care if you've been married 50 minutes or 50 years, this date night is going to bless you. It's going to help strengthen your marriage. It's going to give you some tools to help you with your communication, to help you. If you hadn't figured it out, you may not ever, but how to understand one another. And it's just going to be a great, fun evening. We're going to eat well. You can't eat for $30 as a couple anymore, but you're going to be able to do that here on Friday night, April 22nd. So sign up. we got a lot of people signing up already. Please, uh, please do that quickly. Let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing one more song before Gary Cohorn comes to share with us this morning. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, is my song. Let the king of my heart be
So he is good. He's very good. We sing that through our songs. We say that through our mouths. We say that through our lives. And hopefully you're feeling it today. It's, it's good to be here today. I, uh, I'm, I can't help but see Easter all around us. This past week, watching people who are either hearing conversations about plans of Easter. I've seen a few uh, decorations in the stores. I see the peeps. And the uh, Cadbury's on all the shelves. And so, uh, you know, it's funny. And, and when I think about Easter, I think about uh, Dale City, Oklahoma on uh, 14th place. My grandmother would come up. My mother would be in the kitchen and we would, they'd gather us around and they would boil the eggs. They'd help us as long as we didn't mess it up. But they'd boil the eggs and they would, uh, vinegar? I mean, do you, do, do you boil and put vinegar? I, I never really, I was not a chemist, never really understood all that, but vinegar was involved, boiling was involved, color was involved, and I got it all, all over me was involved. And so, uh, but we had fun with it. And then the next, that was on Saturday, then the next day we would go out, either my brother, my sister, and I, just the two, three of us, or possibly some other neighborhood kids, and we would have Easter egg hunts, and it was fun. Some people are not doing that as much now, or maybe they don't have people in their lives to, to, to do that. It's good to have uh, community in the city to maybe do that in, in, in spaces where, where people aren't necessarily having champions of their family as well. I, grew, I uh, spent a long time, uh, several wonderful years with A&M Church of Christ, loved the church, uh, worked as a youth and family minister. As Jamie was mentioned a few minutes ago, that church, we were highly involved with leadership training for Christ. Preston Crest, highly involved with leadership training for Christ. One of the things I think about with Easter is LTC, and I just uh, loved and still love. I was directly involved then. I'm not as, direct, I'm not as involved with that here, but uh, I watch it, I see it, I hear the enthusiasm, the excitement on Sunday afternoons and evenings across the street right now. I uh, visit with, with Rebecca a couple days ago and asked her about, I overheard her say, we're having a party tonight, it's party night. And well, what's that? Well, they're having leadership training for Christ party and you know, getting ready for all that. When we were when we were in Aggieland, we started, when we started that, it was lads to leaders before it was changed to leadership training for Christ or LTC. And uh, we made a decision a few years ago in being involved with that, that we were, you, you, you do all the preparation, if, if it's biblical study for Bible Bowl or if it's uh, chorus or, or drama or puppets or whatever the case is, you would have the punctuation weekend on Easter. And so we all look forward to that. And, and we made the decision that it's a little bit better road trip going to Dallas and going to Anatole 
no disrespect, I love Houston, but then to go down the trail to Houston. And so we, we loaded up a lot of buses and vans and we made it a church event to go up here and spend that time. And one of the things I remember about all that was the competition, but then we had the question. Some churches waited till the next morning, stayed there in Dallas and did Easter, a worship service and involved Easter egg hunt. Other parents that we had there with our group wanted to go home. It's special. It's special. I really honor and am thankful that this church embraces, obviously, our children, our teenagers, Bordeaux and Aaron and teams. And it's manifested much in this weekend we call Easter. Well, Gary, what are you talking about? Easter's next weekend. Well, our world, and particularly those that are in the Christian, don't wait till the weekend. Easter is not just one weekend a year. Easter is it's really all the time. But Easter, many will choose Holy Week or they'll choose the days leading up to. Some people say it's seven days. Some say it's nine days to prepare and do certain, certain uh, practices, service, uh, Lent, giving up something to focus, to consecrate, to, to set apart these days to prepare your mind, your heart, your soul for Easter. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hit that here in just a second. Not Easter. But I easily overlook not the person, not the, the centerpiece of Easter, which is Jesus. He is the center of my life. He's the center of yours. Sometimes I, I lose the human in the God. I, use the, I lose the human part of Jesus in the holy God part of Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to identify a prayer today that hopefully will get us, hopefully it will get you, I prayed for this, that you will be benefited and encouraged and connect maybe in a, in a way that you haven't in a while, maybe a little reboot about the significance that he experienced from a human perspective as he co-experienced from a God perspective this, this experience of leading up to the end of his life for you and for me. We're going to go in a minute to Matthew chapter 26. That's where we're going to camp out. But we're going to take some steps before we get there. Before, before we do anything else, in a private conversation Jesus had with a, with a leader in John 3, he was, Nicodemus and he were back and forth discussing. And Nicodemus came at night, as you know, and he said, I have some questions. And we're not going to play out all that conversation. But the punctuating statement of that conversation it became the punctuating statement, I would say, of Christendom. But the punctuating message that some people get, if they get nothing else about Christianity, they get this one verse. I want to ask you, if you would, just to listen. For God really did love the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in that one and only son will not perish, but will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And he gave his, this one and only son so that you and I, if we believe in him, will not perish, but we will live eternally with him. I want to ask you to repeat that with me if you would. Quote it as we see it on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Jesus was driven by, compelled by that reality. He was compelled by the, the vibe, the, the message, the conversation, the spirit of the Father. He was, 
He was driven by the will of the Father. Everything he did was in practice or in word to, to, to draw attention to the Father and to help the people see that that's who he was. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, the story about the child Jesus who was in the temple still lingering with what was going on in the temple, all the, the parents and all the rest went on their way and they found Jesus missing. And you know the story. And what we see is that at that point when his father and his mother came back and they had this very tense conversation with this little guy he said you don't understand I must be about the things of the father I must be about my father's business I am preoccupied with him well this morning we want to share just a minute just a minute when Gordon began this series on uh, this prayer series on dear Lord uh, he had some things in mind possibly. Robert Stolte shared with us last week. He focused and explored on a very key prayer that Jesus had in John chapter 17. The themes of that, of the, I, I believe, maybe one of the most significant places in Scripture where Jesus told who he was and what he wanted the Father, the connection between the Father and him and all of us. He wanted all of us to be one. He was, his time was ready to go to heaven with the Father, but these that he was leaving behind were going to be staying behind, continuing the mission. He desperately wanted all of them, all of us to be one together, to be on mission and on point, connected together. But if we want to fast, that was a very life-giving prayer, I would suggest to you. The one we're going to look at today is one that's a little darker. It's one that some theologians will say, darker, yes, but possibly it reveals more of the humanness of Jesus than maybe any other prayer. We have 650 prayers listed in Scripture. So after last week and this week, we only have 648 to go. And uh, so hold on to your... No, but we also have 25 places in Scripture that, that uh, record Jesus' prayers. But this is one that's a bit unique. And it's going to invite us into a space where I believe we're going to see uh, more manifested in a very, quite frankly, intense and dark place. The Jesus that you needed, certainly the Jesus that I needed. I needed a champion. I need a champion. And his name is Jesus. And I've prayed a lot about this one today. And I've prayed a lot about you today. Because of what I wanted to do is to encourage you and encourage me and encourage us as we, as we move toward next weekend and beyond next weekend. To appreciate the love. Jamie, the love, when he told you, talk about, you talk about anguish and pain of the human experience we have all had it or will have it. This man, God, had it. And he's going to invite us into the space where he championed for us to help get through that and to get beyond that. And so we're going to go to, March, uh, to, uh, to Matthew 26. But before we do that, and before we find the light and the bright and the cheery of Easter, we're going to follow him through a dark place, a dark space, a dark road to help get us there. He went there, but he's given us the benefits of being able to enjoy that. We're going to start, if you would, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 17. It's a place where Jesus had been before many, many times sharing a meal with his followers. They were familial. They loved. They shared, no doubt, in jokes, in stories, in laughing and crying and doing life and eating and sleeping and, and all of that. So it was not uncommon for them to share this intimate time, I would suggest. This time where they were all together. It was, it was a time where they were intimate 
in terms of relationship and conversation and sharing a little bit and a lot of difference, obviously, if you think about the personalities. But it was a holy time because it was Passover meal. It was Passover feast. So, so they shared in this supper, this, this final supper, a time where they were thinking about and sharing what all God the Father had done for his people. The Passover that led them out of, that saved their children and led them out of Egypt. And they were experiencing this together with the Son of God. So it was a time where it was an intimate experience, an intimate conversation, a holy conversation. But it was also a jarring conversation because as you know and I know, one person in this circle of friends, a circle of colleagues, a circle of disciples or followers had been guilty in a way that none other or was getting ready, had already sealed a deal. But it was going to be, Jesus was dropping some information on all of them that was going to change everything. One of you will betray me. It reads like this, if you would, Matthew 26, 24, uh, 21 to, to 25. I tell you the truth, he said. We'll back up a second. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth. In the middle of this conversation and the meal and passing the bread and the food, one of you is going to betray me. As a side note, I don't know who in here, how many of you, maybe most of us or all of us, have felt a, a slight, a soft, or a heavy and brutal betrayal. But in an intimate experience, in an intimate meal, in a conversation about the God that provides, and he says, one of you is going to betray me, that had to fall like a brick on the table. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely, surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand and into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it's written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had never been born. And then Judas leans in, the one who, who would betray him, and he said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Surely, teacher, I'm not the one. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. I've imagined on the day of judgment what it would be like if I got a hint of the Lord's disapproval. That's a day I never want to see. But on this day, sitting in a meal together with the one who they had listened to, followed, pledged allegiance to, he said, yes, it is you that's going, going to betray me. And at that minute when that was stated and all the others were there to react, this was his closest group. These were people that had pledged, again, devotion, allegiance, commitment, and anything and everything, and had suggested that... that uh, had, had stated clearly that there was going to be a betrayal, this became the catalyst of the next step in the dark days that lead to the lighter days. But right now, we're in the middle of the darkness. He says to these people, again, in sharing this time with the body and the bread, when he shared, in fact, it was after the betrayal that he shared the body, uh, the bread and the, and the uh, cup that represented who he was and his body, and I can only imagine what it was like for them to share that experience after they had heard the thud of this news. And it was after that experience that he said, let's go on to the Mount of Olives, which led to the next step in the dark road toward the darker road toward 
a lighter road. Look, if you would, in Matthew 26, 31 to 35. This was the occasion where Judas became not only, not the only one, but he was, uh, the guilt began to be shared now. Because Jesus made the statement in this section that all of you are going to eventually fall away from me. You're going to tuck tail and run. You're going to leave me in a time when it's going to be darker and more intense. See, this was not feeding 5,000 on a hillside. This was not sharing intimate stories or profound statements about the kingdom to come. He was saying as the, as the tunnel was narrowing and the lights were becoming darker in his space, he was seeing another and another betray, another and another pull out, another and another say, I, I think I don't want to follow anymore. Now, they didn't say that with the words, but they said that with their, with their actions. This was prophesied, Zechariah 13, 7, among other places, but this was prophesied that the, that the shepherd was going to be struck and the, and the sheep will scatter. And we are seeing right now, as the story unfolds, the sheep are intermittently scattering, vowing allegiance. But scattering. Well, one voice in the middle of all the twelve, the same voice that usually stands up and says, I will never, said, Peter said, I will never leave you. Even if everyone else leaves, I'm not leaving you. But it was Jesus who said, essentially, you, you, you don't know what you're saying. I want to ask you to consider at this point, it becomes more clear that Jesus was operating from a human context, a God's will context. Peter was responding the way I would like to think that I would, valiantly courageous or what, or saying, I will stand with you no matter what. But what he was also doing was responding out of his humanness. He had no idea or not a full appreciation for what was developing. The God, Father God plan unfolding as his son was taking one more step and one more step and one more step to this Roman cross for all of us to benefit. So at this point, we see the story becoming hotter and darker. And it takes us to this place we want to focus on for a minute, this prayer. Matthew chapter 26, 36 to 46, is the prayer that some theologians will say, again, has revealed more about Jesus' humanity than any other prayer in all of Scripture. He speaks, if you would, let's read this together, this whole section, if you would. Then Jesus, in verse, beginning verse 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, he said to Peter and to the sons of Zebedee, James and John, took them along with him and began at this point to be so sorrowful and extremely troubled. His humanness was bubbling up. His, the degree of whatever you would want to call, I don't presume to try to imagine what it would be like as I carry my own sin, as I carry my own guilt and my own shame, like you alluded to a few minutes ago, Jamie, we all felt that. Jesus was not carrying his own guilt or his shame. He was just carrying all the rest of us. And what that burden must have been to be thinking, I'm carrying all the burdens and the sin of the world. His words, I'm overwhelmed. 
Beginning verse 38. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed this prayer. My father, with his face to the ground, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Because I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. My humanness does not want to go through what I know was before me. And yet, the key phrase of all phrases, yet not as I will, but as you will. Those that have weighed in on this section, this part of the text, are are suggesting that this was the battle of the wills. Jesus' battle of his own human will with Jesus' battle with his God will. His knowing what needs to be done with his knowing what he's feeling as he's anticipating and feeling more and more of the heaviness of everybody's shame, everybody's guilt, everybody's past, everybody's ugliness, everybody's sin that was going to send them, Charlie, to a to hell, to, a, to an existence that was beyond what anyone could imagine. And he said to the Father, I, I don't want to go through these next steps. I'm already feeling the betrayal. I'm already feeling, I've, through all my life, I felt this, this being misunderstood, this not being in step with all the others around me. They can't imagine, they can't know what it's like to be Jesus God. They have some sense maybe of this person that they're encountering as a human. But now I'm taking one more step to the cross and it feels so, so lonely and heavy and burdened, and yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said, could you men not keep watch with me for for, for even one hour? He asked Peter that and he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit and flesh are willing, but, the, but the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body is weak. So he goes back again, 42. He went away a second time and he prayed this continuation of prayer. You can call it a second or it's really the continuation of the first. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from me, may your will, may your will, be done. Not mine. For God so loved the world that he gave this one and only son for this purpose that whoever believes in him this spirit warrior, this son of God, the only one qualified to walk this dark road and he said Jesus to the Father let your will be done. 43, when, we, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were so, so heavy. They, he left them and he went away one more time and he prayed a third time. The very same thing. Your will be done. Still human and God at the same time. Still carrying this weight, this heavy weight 
if you've been laying in your bed at night worried about yourself or what you did, will anyone be finding out? Will you be, are you, if you worry about one of your children, if you're worrying about where, she, she's still out, I don't know where she is, she's been gone for weeks, she's been gone, I don't know what to do with the circumstance, we can't pay, this is the fourth time we can't pay rent or mortgage, I don't know what it's like, I can't believe that on the road I made a decision that violated who I am and what I am and who, and who I stand for him and my marriage and my life, I can't bear this weight. The weight that I feel and the weight of what's going to, what I'm worried about if someone else finds out. I can't bear this. Well, Jesus took all of that and he put it on himself and he said, I'm carrying this, I'm holding this, and I'm aware what's going to happen when soldiers come up and they drag me off in the streets. And I know no one's going to hang with me. I'm going to be dragged in the streets, talked about, lied about, persecuted in all kinds of ways, and they're going to drag me to a cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish because of this activity he's involved with right now. Verse 45, he returned to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners, murderers. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Each step along the way in Jesus' life from young to not so young, he increasingly, initially practiced what was called the messianic secret, which was to say, I am going to do this for you. I'm healing you. I'm giving you this gift, this connection, this wonder, leper healed, blind sight, whatever the case is. Now go and tell nobody. As life passed, as he continued on his road, the word became to get out more and more and more. As the word became to get out more and more, and especially as leaders, religious or otherwise, were being threatened with their position by this man, the heat increased. And when the heat increased, his followers decreased to the point where he says, I'm now alone of alone. For God so loved the world. Blessing. Tom. For God so loved the world, David, Wendy. For God, Brian and Amy, so loved the world, so loved you and me and us, that he gave his one and only son who walked that dark tunnel of death carrying the flesh, human, and the God within him for the sake of you and me to give us hope so that next weekend we have the light the hope, the renewal, the celebration, the worship, the love of the one and only Son who made this possible. This prayer of Jesus was one in agony and anguish and heaviness, but it was one out of love and grace and mercy and obedience. And it was right in line with the way he lived all of his life, which was to be right in alignment with the Father and pointing to the Father and giving credit to the Father and allegiance to the Father, worship to the Father, everything to the Father. Every time he loved, anytime someone said, you're good, Luke 18, said, don't call me good. There's one who's good. Every time he was deferring to the Father. And in this case, when it would have been easy for them to say, 
Lord, Father God, let me do this salvation thing by taking a pill. But he knew that that wasn't the plan. The prophecies of all time said there will be a suffering servant in Isaiah, one who will be beaten and bruised. And so he valiantly and faithfully and obediently walked through a dark place so all of us could celebrate. He ushers us to walk through that same place. We'll live this human existence, not a God existence, obviously, but a human existence with the faith in the Father and the faith in the Son, with the hope and the promise that we can go through this place to live beyond that grave to a holy place. Because he said, your will be done. There's no way in the world that we could have experienced next weekend had he not done this. There's no way in the world that we could experience the bright and the cheer and the hope and the, yes, the resurrection signs in the front yards are good. The bright and cheerful dresses are wonderful. The, the, the light-spirited fun and activity, great. LTC and road trips and children laughing and playing as they hide, uh, hunt Easter eggs. But peel all that away. And what we find is a Savior who said, I'm hurting, I'm in anguish. But Jennifer, you're worth it. And even more than that, my God will be obeyed. Father, your will be done. Jesus overcame death by intensely praying and intentionally submitting to the will of the Father. It was the prayer, but it was his intentionality. And he overcame death in doing so. This one and only, fully human, fully God, overcame the battle of flesh. Yes, the battle of flesh by submitting to the Father. And therefore, having his spirit overcome his flesh. His holy overcome, overcome his human. This was the difference in this one that we call Jesus. He was the epitome of light. He was the epitome that overcame darkness. And he still does. He continues to do that the same to, in the lives today for you and for me. And for those that will believe and follow him, he always will. Two, two weeks ago, we were in this room. A lot of anticipation. A lot of thought, prayer, memories. And we were thinking and celebrating 50 years at Preston Crest. I think the most beautiful thing about that whole day was from start to finish, there was no hint of someone claiming let me tell you, this guy, this woman, this boy, this girl, this man, this group that made that all possible. The recurring theme of the day was your will be done. It's all about him. It always has been. It always will be. He lived that life, overcame darkness, gave you and me hope so that we can right now claim it on this earth, claim it through our death, physical, and claim it on the other side of that. I need that. I needed that and I need that. I need that when I'm weak and when I'm discouraged and when I'm upset or when I'm whatever. But I also need that when things are going great, as you mentioned a few minutes ago. I need that. I don't know where you are with all that. don't know how that's playing out in your life.
But I know this, that whatever you fill your next few days with, if you give up something for Lent, if you give a particular thought to a particular day, and you can, it's easy to look up all that plays out in the Holy Week. Every week's holy, we realize, if you're living with Jesus. But there is a dedicated time that many Christians throughout the world will identify that you can systematically step and step with Jesus, step and step with these steps to the cross. I want to encourage you to do that. But what I'd like to ask you to do more than anything else is to remember and to embrace the fact that the lightest light of the world stepped into the darkest dark of the world to give you and me hope for eternal light. You can't get better than that. You may not be in a place of light right now. You may not be in a place that is screaming out hope and joy. This is a place that you can, I think, find an encouraging word, a prayer, of someone that, you, that can love you and hug and listen and cry and laugh and commit beyond today to do this life together. All pointing to him. All with our hope in him. If you need someone, if you need someone to spend some time to have a conversation now or beyond today, know that we invite you to do that. He says, Jesus said it before us. We want to ask you to, to hold on to this way of living life and let God, God, his will be done in your life. If you would, let's sing together.
please plan on being back tonight for 6 p.m. worship as Jacob Hawk shows us how we should love God through the story of Rachel. One of our young men, Cooper Holm, will be reading our take-home scripture this morning. Cooper. Please read with me. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the church said, Amen. Amen. 